Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Simplify. If ever a time it was necessary, it seems now. With a plethora of information available with a single tap of our fingertip, there is plenty to feed our curiosity, our stress, and our point of view. Instinctually and subconsciously, we are wired to simplify, especially socially, <clears throat> when it comes to sizing up <clears throat> excuse me, one another. In a fraction of a second, we categorize, we compartmentalize, we label, and we pigeonhole. In order to survive, we stereotype. So why the bad rap for stereotyping? After all, it's a survival skill, is it not? Can we overcome our natural inclination to make snap judgments and break free from stereotyping? Do we even actually want to? Perhaps there's a better way, and maybe it's just to be an agent of change. Today's scripture is from Judges 4, 17 to 22. See if you can identify the instances of stereotyping. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Yael, the wife of Eber, the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of Eber, the Kenite. Yael went to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. So she opened up a skin of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone in there, say, no. But Yael, Eber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. And she drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. Just then, Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera and said, Yael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man that you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. Bond, James Bond, 007. So the question I have for you, will there ever be a female James Bond? If you would, a Jane Bond. There's been a lot of questions surrounding that identity of the next James Bond, in particular because this last movie, it actually had a 007 be a woman. One of the first times that that has taken place. When you listen to those who are responsible for keeping the image of James Bond, if it will be a woman, the majority of them would say no. 
Now, it's not because we as a society have not, are not willing to break out of this stereotyping of women and as far as their roles in action hero movies. One of the first individuals that actually came into this new role for women was Princess Leia. And even though she was called a princess, she did not in any way necessarily fit the stereotypical model of a princess. Rather, she was more of a warrior. And that, over the last 50 years, this inbreaking of women into this new genre of action heroes culminated in the last few years with many movies, in one particular, The Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence that came out in 2018. All of these, over the last 50 years, have put women into new roles. However, when it comes to James Bond, there is so many expectations and a stereotype of what this character ought to be. In fact, the most recent individual who played James Bond, there were many individuals that were quite upset because he had blonde hair rather than dark hair when he took on this new role of James Bond. So there are certain expectations of what we assume will exist when we go to a James Bond movie. Typically, one of the highest things that stand out, and it, perhaps it is dated, was that James Bond is seen as very much a heterosexual male. And those individuals who are James Bond, or what we call Bond women, they are seen in a different light. There's a certain stereotype that they themselves even fulfill. And we find that film professor Yvonne Tasker said the following, Bond women provide little for the actress to do, but confirm the hero's heterosexuality. Now again, this is new territory for us. But again, we, because we have these expectations, these stereotypes of what we believe the way it ought to be, that one of the things that stand out there is, do we or are we willing to see that shift? to take women and put them into a new role that they, is not typically theirs. Well, occasionally, if we look back over the span of time, we will find that there are individuals who actually told stories, stories that were eventually recorded and saved for us, preserved for us, that show women in a different light. And today, we are looking at one of those stories. It appears in Judges chapter 4. In Judges chapter 4, we are introduced to two women in particular. Women who do not fit the stereotypical role of women when it comes to the time of war. They are Deborah and Yael. Now, first of all, Deborah. Deborah, we are told at the very beginning of chapter 4 in Judges, that she has a distinct role, a role that is typically belongs to men. She is a judge. She would sit under a tree, and there under that tree, she would make decisions for the people. But not only was she a judge, she also, according to the text, functions as a prophet. She is a spokesperson for the God of Israel. 
for those who want to find out God's will for them individually or for their tribe, they would go to Deborah and she would disclose this to them. But then the one that's very intriguing is she actually functions as a military advisor to the king, I mean, I'm sorry, not the king, but to the individual, the warrior, who will lead the tribes against the threat of the Canaanites. So that's Deborah. In fact, one individual, by a scholar by the name of Susan Nedetic, says the following about Deborah. She describes judges, this Susan Nedetic, as swashbuckling, charismatic military leaders who made decisions that were military, political, and religious in nature. In short, they were temporarily community leaders or chieftains during the pre-monarchic period. So during this period of time, you have stories that are being passed on with women who are breaking the stereotype of what would normally be pictured of women during a time of war. Typically, women were often taken and kidnapped by their aggressors. Women were often abused and raped during this time. That's, eight, that's typical of what you would expect in these stories. But here, you have not only Deborah, but you also have Yael. And Yael is going to do something that completely breaks what we would expect women to do during this time. She becomes an assassin. That's simple. She functions as a warrior, as an assassin, and it is through her hand that God works according to the story. Literally, her hand that impels Sisera. And it completely breaks the stereotype of the role of women in Israel. But not only did it violate the stereotype back then, it created a discomfort that carried over for years, literally thousands of years to come. Individuals have struggled in interpreting Judges chapter 4 and 5. It creates a sense of discomfort because what they typically believe about the role of women in the Old Testament is completely blown up in Judges chapters 4 and 5. And for some Christians, this creates a great deal of angst in how they see the role of women even today. Because if we are teaching certain things from the Bible about the role of women for today, how does that make sense with the role of these two women that we find back in Judges? Two female scholars in their endeavor to remain true to a certain stereotype of the role of women in our society for today, based upon the New Testament, they interpret this story in the following ways. Julia Statton, for example, says the following. Listen how she minimizes, how she soften, softens the role of Deborah. Deborah was not an abrasive or pushy woman. She did not come on like gangbusters. Rather, she gave the man the opportunity to take the honor of leading the nation to victory 
all for himself, but was not afraid or hesitant to help him in the leadership role when asked to do so. Notice that in her interpreting of it, interpretation of the text, she takes a New Testament stereotype of the role of women, and she reads that back into this story by making Deborah subservient to Barak. Another individual, female scholar by the name of Sarah Buswells, says the following, concurring with New Testament injunctions that a woman should never take a leadership position over a man, Sarah Buswell likewise believes that Deborah simply lent her support to Barak and did not function as commander-in-chief. Moreover, since women cannot assume leadership on military battlefields or in other public leadership positions, Deborah becomes, for Buswell, a model for women for courage on personal battlefields. So instead of taking it as literally, they flip it a little bit so that the expectations, the stereotypes of what a Christian woman should be from the New Testament is imposed back on this story. And one of the ways of doing that is she looks at it metaphorically when she says the following. Deborah challenges us to accomplish the routing of foreign armies. And who are those foreign armies? They are personal sins in our lives by becoming more deeply rooted in God's word. Personal growth may be a less glamorous task than public government, but is equally crucial endeavor. We have certain stereotypes, and those are so innately a part of who we are that to give them up is a great deal of work and a challenge. So it's far easier to take these stereotypes and impose them back on stories that perhaps were trying to show us a different way of thinking about things, to show us that there were these examples that we find throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, exceptions that would occur. Now, before we're too critical on these individuals and how we could kind of wag our head at them and say they're naive, maybe we ought to pause and look inside ourselves first. How often is it that we find comfort in stereotyping. Think about how different categories impact how we evaluate and see other people. For example, ethnicity. There are certain assumptions that we make about not only our own ethnic heritage, but about the ethnicity of those around us, especially those that are different than us. It happens with education. Those who have a higher level of education versus those who have, a, have little to no education. There's certain assumptions we stereotype individuals based on that. Another one is economic. There's certain assumptions that we make about an individual who is quite wealthy versus someone who lives in poverty. And perhaps one that really resonates for those of us living in Arizona is we stereotype based on geography. 
I remember when we first moved here to Arizona, someone described it as the wild, wild west, a place where independence was still highly valued. And then compare that to individuals and what they say about individuals who live in the South or the Midwest or the Northeast or the Northwest. And that isn't even talking about the other categories of politics, religion. We have a tendency to stereotype. And before you're too hard on yourself or others because of that, I think we need to pause just for a moment and realize there are certain advantages in our lives of stereotyping. It actually can make life a lot easier to navigate. For example, if I look up and I see in a tree an animal that has feathers on it, more than likely I can assume, and perhaps and probably be accurate, that that is a bird, that it has the ability to fly, and it probably eats worms. Those are assumptions that I make because I can stereotype that object. And it doesn't matter what kind of bird it is, it fits into that broader category. When I think about geography, here in, the mid, I mean, here in Arizona, it's cold. I mean, there's, it's like a low of in, in the low 50s, I mean, low 50s, high 40s, gets up into the high 60s, low 70s. This is winter in Arizona. But if I did not understand that if I go north from here, if I was to go up into Canada during the wintertime, if I didn't understand that that shift in geography, that that meant I probably was going to be in colder weather and prepared accordingly, it could make that trip quite uncomfortable. So stereotyping works for us. It's a way in which we evolved to keep us safe and to be able to navigate the world that we found ourselves in. So it has a place in our lives. However, when we take stereotypes and make certain assumptions based off of them, then we roll into the danger of creating harm toward ourselves and to other people. For example, scientists have, who study our brain, the neurological way our brain functions, have discovered that when we see an individual who is different than us, who doesn't fit into our categories, that our brain actually is triggered to see that as a physical threat. To see someone who looks different than us, who acts different than us, all of that can create within us, just automatically in our brains, a certain stereotyping that will occur. The challenge then is to take these assumptions that I have about certain ethnicities, certain levels of education, certain political leanings, those who vaccine, those who don't vaccine, don't use vaccines. All of that comes into play. And if I take these assumptions I have and make them and apply them to that individual, that's when we have a problem. A study was done and they asked individuals based on their political parties if they would be pleased or displeased 
if one of their children was to marry someone in the opposite political party than where they were. That number has continued to increase that they would be displeased if their spouse, or I mean, if one of their children was to marry someone of a different political party. That's stereotyping. So what's the solution? If we've done this, and it's part of who we are as, as homo sapiens, and we've done this in the past, how do we still see it as an advantage for us, but yet avoid the dangers and the pitfalls that come from it? And the key is to see people as individuals. Another study was done. It's fascinating. What they did is they had a selection of white people. And they showed them pictures of individuals with different colors of skin than white. When they showed them the picture, they asked them to look at this individual and ask themselves, what type of vegetable do you think this individual prefers? By just asking that one simple question, the brain was actually able to change and shift. And instead of stereotyping them, they actually saw them as an individual. And their brain responded in the same way if they were a person of color, they would see them, however, their brain would see them in the same way they would if that person was white. Why? Because by seeing a person as an individual, as unique in themselves, then our brain actually goes into a healthier place in how we see other people. And I think that's one of the beauties of the book of Judges. The, ju the book of Judges <laughs> blows up our stereotypes. Individuals who we would assume would not be in a role of power and leadership, they rise up and they take that position. Just like Deborah and Yael were able to break out of the stereotypes of the role of women. And so that is possible. It is within us as homo sapiens to be able to, to see people as individuals. And the greatest role model for me in a person who did this was Jesus. He didn't allow the stereotyping that he, he was exposed to in the first century to slow him down from going out and talking and caring for other people that were seen as being others because he saw people as individuals. And maybe that's what we need to continue to practice in our lives today. So the next time you find yourself just very, perhaps without even thinking about it, stereotyping someone, pause and try to see that person as an individual with their own unique needs and cares and concerns. And perhaps by doing that, we can create a better world. 
a world where what Jesus prayed for, what he called the kingdom of God, a place where compassion and love existed and was rampant. Perhaps that will become our reality also. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.